really a selfless position, uh, you know, fullback. It's, it's all dirty work. I mean, there's no real glory, and he's not really getting the ball in carries. And you know, not, I threw, it, I definitely throw it to him. Um, but being a lead blocker really sets the tone for uh, for the offense. It's a very valuable position, and uh, anyone that can create holes and that physical style of toughness in the run game is really important for us. Three tight ends, including Hayden. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Kyle Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nad the Truth Jones. We're fresh off a two-week break, or at least a, like almost a two-week break, which to me is an eternity. Uh, the Wolf of Rotor Street, who is with me right here. Wolf, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I know. It feels great to finally get it going again. I've absolutely missed the dive, which I didn't think I could actually miss you, but I, I somehow did. And it's been a busy, busy two weeks for me. I have the, you know, lacrosse season is just starting at school. I have a funny story about that eventually. Of course. Um, it's the end of the trimester, so grading is getting insane. And then, you know, moving on on top of that. So it's been a busy two weeks. The reason we were off, though, of course, was our guy, sound guy, Nate, was off in Miami doing some crazy stuff. He's actually going to join us later, but met some humongous stars. We'll We'll, we'll wait till later to uh, reveal those names. Kind of humongous and and like a, that's a double entendre there actually because these were humongous stars in like the literal and figurative sense of the word. And you know that's only part of the reason that we were off. The other reason is uh, you didn't have wireless internet if I'm not very much mistaken because Sound Guy Nate only left a little while ago. We could have recorded last week if not for this mm-hmm. internet debacle. So what's going on with that? Well, I was I was in the middle of a move. I just got uh, my buddy just bought a beautiful new condo, so just moved into it. Uh, and obviously, figuring out Wi-Fi, all that—it's such a process. You know how moving goes; it's a complete pain in the ass. But we've officially got everything over. Officially got it all in. My knee is completely destroyed as a result of it. I've already had a torn ACL for you know five years, but that certainly didn't help the uh, the tear by any means. But we're in. We're settled. We've got it down, and it's been an insane free agency period. So I just want to make sure before I want to keep catching up on stories because we have a lot of interesting stuff to catch up on. But for those of you just tuning in, we are going to be previewing all the humongous stuff that's been going on in the last few days with free agency. Uh, we we kind of had a few episodes where we we're breaking the news and and trying to cover it as fast as we can but now that all the dust has really finally started to settle we're going to dig in and really break down those winners and losers and talk about whose value's gone up the most who's his uh you know who's falling fast and we don't actually have the exact rankings yet gonna give a quick plug here we're gonna try out a new show this week wednesday if you're listening to this on time wednesday on facebook live i'm actually going to be doing my rankings live I don't know if I've told you about this idea yet, Nat. You've mentioned uh, it. Yes. So I'm going to be – instead of – I haven't even touched the rankings through all these writing. I've been breaking down all these moves, all the impacts. We're going to talk about who our, our highest risers and followers are going to be. Uh, but instead of doing the rankings while I write about it, I actually wanted to save it so I organically do the rankings live on Facebook so everyone can kind of watch as I do it, comment on it, say, you know, if I forgot somebody or anything like that, ask me about specific players. So kind of an interactive live ranking. Ranking show, getting you kind of behind the curtain. I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to see. So me no, I'm going to tune in. I mean, definitely. Absolutely. 
Uh, so it should be I, I don't want to promise anything yet but the schedule right now is Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm going to go live re-up the rankings uh, and we just have tons of exciting broadcasts and things we're working on because we've hired some new talent and, and things are very exciting even though it's been two weeks off from the dive we've really been pumping out tons of content and just doing a lot of behind the scenes work to really upgrade our content and make it even better, especially our broadcast. So our first one will be Wednesday, live ranking show. Tune in Facebook Live at 7 uh, to see how all these moves we're about to discuss actually fall on the big board and all the, the moves and shakes, the actual numbers that go with them. Can't wait. All right. Well, we are going to get right into fantasy football, free agency winners and losers in just a second. We're also going to hit a little bit of breaking news first. And basically, we're talking about news from the past few days because we're trying to make this like a weekly thing. You know, Sometimes we give uh, breaking news and then by the time the show goes out, it's not really breaking news anymore. Um, case in point, um, you know, the wolf was just all up Derrick Henry's ass. Yep. Um, tossing his salad and whatnot, but then uh, at some point, Derrick Henry, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, and now you know, now he's one of the big losers that it's obviously we're going to be featuring. So we're going to any any sort of breaking news that it won't be covered past now. We'll also discuss. So we're going to get into that. I do want to leave you. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with breaking news. But I do want to just leave you with one thought, Wolf, and it's something that when you are moving, you may not have thought about. Okay, and I, I don't want you to freak out. Yep. Did you remember to get the intern out of the basement? Oh, shit. (laughs) We'll be back right after this. (laughs) We are back. And it appears the intern um, is alive, barely clinging to life, but alive nonetheless. So, yeah, you know, he's he's made it. Count your blessings, people. Yeah, we got 911 on the phone immediately after they checked his pulse. They said there's something there. They don't know if it's a human. They don't know if it's a creature, but there is something with a pulse in our basement. And I imagine that's the intern. So I'll be investigating that after we record. Of course, fullback dive comes before the intern's life. But we'll go check that later. It's actually Kevin or what he's become at this point right now. He's just out on the sidewalk, so in about an hour, we'll go check on him, see if he's still there. Like, there was like hissing noises kind of going on when I talked to the EMTs in the background. They said they couldn't make words out. I have no idea. We'll figure out more about this later, but... Yeah, we'll cover it. We'll cover it next week, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, breaking news this week on the Rotor Street, and if you've been following the site, and I mean, you know, of course you've been following the site, uh, you've been reading about this stuff on our site and maybe many other sites, too. And Dominican Sue landing with the Rams. That's Ooh. breaking news. Uh, yesterday... The Jets, who had put out the biggest offer money-wise to Sue, rescinded their offer, which to me was kind of like a you're fired, no way I quit type thing. Be like, oh, really? Well, we don't want you anyway. Um, so anyway, and Dominican Sue landing with the Rams. Um, quick, just knee-jerk thoughts about that, Wolf. Absolutely terrifying. I mean, how do you scheme against that as an offensive coordinator, that defensive front? You got Sue, you got Brockers, you got Aaron Donald. I mean, that's just unbelievably just terrifying. I have nightmares just thinking about it. I can't imagine what Russell Wilson and his patchwork line feel like right now. It's absolutely terrifying. Um, and then, I mean, on top of the other moves they've already been making. Marcus Reed, Peters they picked up Peters. Insane. So, I mean, that defense immediately shoots up to it's got to be your number one defense for fantasy next year. We're talking about winners and losers in a little bit, and they're obviously one of the clearest winners. I never really reach on defense anyways. I've always been more of a streaming guy. But, man, if you're doing like an auction draft and you're trying to kind of sneak in like an early defensive guy for two bucks, 
something of that nature. The Rams have to be on the top of your radar at this point. They are it's just frightening what that defense is going to do when you combine it with the most terrifying offense in the league from last year, one of the highest scoring units in the league. The Rams have got to be considered uh, at least a favorite for the championship game in the NFC, if not one of the the highest contenders for the Super Bowl, at least on paper. Again, paper never always just pans out as it should, but right now they are looking frightening. Nandamakan Sue, tough, extremely durable. Uh, he's going to, you know, give them a, a serious edge. You know, as as long as he doesn't end up being a locker room cancer or something like that, this is only going to be a plus for them. So I, 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 you might almost consider them an NFC favorite now, dare we say? Yeah, that's a, exactly. What was the last time we talked about Sue? I feel like it was a hypothetical where you had to like splash red wine across Yeah, him. he was wearing an all-white suit in a bar and, you know, basically – uh, you had to go up and splash uh, red wine all over him, or or and, and then like I think slap him in the face, and then <laughs> and then uh, you know he it was going to be like two minutes until somebody would break up the fight. Oh yeah, you're not making it out alive, especially now that if he's probably rolling with like Aaron Donald to that scene too. So he'll probably get a few kicks and and punches in on you too. Oh god, just frightening, absolutely terrifying. All right, moving on. Breaking news number two: Odell <laughs> Beckham Jr., who the Wolf has always been way more high on than me, but who I admit is a great, great wide receiver talent. He quote will not set foot on the practice field unquote without an extension, unlikely to be traded. But the Rams are already inquiring. Holy shit. The Rams, huh? as is Cleveland. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's like, eh, which one of those do I want to go to? Uh, <laughs> rumors. First round pick plus something to get him is what the Giants are saying. Thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and now reports are also emerging that they're not likely to trade him and that they will be working on that extension and trying to hammer that out. But, man, it is always interesting to talk about. What if he did land with the Rams? I mean, this, again, we just talk about how frightening that defense is, and then the offense would become just as scary on the other end. You got Jared Goff, who's obviously ascending, would become one of the best QBs in fantasy when you're throwing to uh, you know, Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Don't sound amazing on paper, but they were great they're last year. Funny, good. You, work, you know, you work in a bonafide top three wide receiver talent, maybe the top wide receiver talent in the league in some circles, in some eyes, you never know. Uh, it, it's just absolutely frightening. He'd work Did in Did you that even system. mention Gurley? I, right, exactly. You got Gurley, you got Beckham. I mean, think about how insane that offense becomes, especially with McVay, who loves the the run-after-the-catch type of plays, the bubble screens to receivers and running backs alike. No one's more dangerous as a receiver at ripping a 5-yard, 10-yard little hitch route all the way to the house than Odell Beckham. We used to see that as a rookie until teams really started bracketing him. But the Rams have so many weapons, you can't put three guys on them like you could have with the Giants. So I think it'd be a win for Beckham to go to the Rams. I think it'd be a win, obviously, for the Rams. Rams offense as a whole, Gurley could only benefit from having such an explosive talent. I mean, how do you stack the box if you got Odell Beckham on the outside? Obviously, this is pure speculation of something that probably isn't going to happen. But man, it's fun to speculate about. I would love to see Beckham get traded to the Rams. Love speculating. Uh, a couple late free agency signings. I mean, you know, these happened within the last day or two. Um, Frank Gore, the ageless Frank Gore, part of the original Road Street Journal Nutcracker set, is going <laughs> to Miami where it all started. This guy's a former hurricane. Heading back to the Miami Dolphins and Alan Ernst, who loves to sit in the club and kind of leer at you across the room, especially if you're getting your dick sucked, uh, is going to Dallas. Uh, the best part of that line is like people who have been listening to the pod for a while will find that incredibly funny. Whereas like if we have some first time listeners right, today, uh, they'll just immediately turn themselves. it off and we'll never listen to the podcast yeah, again. What the fuck so did you just say? <laughs> so I apologize to all of you first time listeners. It's an inside joke. 
Yes, yes. You should have been listening. But it's pretty damn funny. Yes, it is. It's fantastic. I'm glad we're keeping that one running, and it will run forever. Uh, Gore to Miami, though. The immediate knee-jerk reaction is, oh, shit, Kenyon Drake. Like We just want this guy to be a workhorse. We love him. Why can't they just commit to him? Yet at some point, they were going to make a move. They were going to make a move at the running back department. I'd much rather it be Frank Gore than some very exciting, you know, if they drafted Juice from LSU or Chubb from Georgia, some exciting upstart rookie. I'd rather it be the aging vet who's on his last leg. Maybe he's on his last legs. Maybe his last legs will be at age 60. You never know with Frank Gore. But ultimately, this has to be more promising than them drafting. They could still go out and draft a guy. They could still trade for C.J. Anderson as the early rumblings were. But I'd rather Frank Gore and and the the high mileage that he has be be the one in the way of Kenyon Drake's workhorse role than a guy like Anderson who played under Gase or a guy, an exciting upstart rookie. I still don't love the fact that they just can't commit to Drake. It does seem like Gore is going to be lingering. He's such a tough guy and he's so consistent and durable that I, I'm sure Gase is going to fall in love with him and he's going to be, who knows what type of timeshare this becomes. Obviously something that has to be monitored now and Drake does fall a bit, but it certainly isn't the worst case scenario for Drake. So that's kind of a wait and see. Earns to Dallas, it's intriguing. I mean, they had no semblance of a number two receiver outside Dez. Earns brings some great deep speed. He's played the slot plenty. I mean, he's very versatile. You can move this guy around all over the place. And he's going to open things up for everybody, including Dez, including the run game. Helps out Dak. You think Dez so, is, is going to stay there? I think Dez will still be there. I mean, if he's not, then Earns explodes as the top receiver there. I think Dez is still there for at least another year. If not, he gets an extension, kind of reworks it. Everything he's said so far this offseason says, I want to stay in Dallas. It doesn't seem like the Cowboys are moving away from him necessarily. I think they probably would have at this point if they were going to after the free agency is all. They, they have no cap room to move on from him and find anybody else even close. So I think Dez stays, and I think this offense benefits from Earns' presence. Earns himself, uh, I, I I don't, I'm not going out of my way to draft him. I think he's more just someone that helps out all the other pieces, whereas he's just kind of inconsistent himself. You know, we saw Terrence Williams have a couple blow-up games. We've seen Bryce Butler have a few blow-up games. Those will be going to earn. So he'll have some big games. He's worth owning. And maybe he does just, like, you know, prove that he's just better than Dez at this age and somehow transcends him. There's upside there. There is. So I'm not going to avoid earns, but he's not a guy I'm necessarily running out and targeting, even if I do think this is a positive for everyone involved in Dallas. Just to be clear, I was saying Earns because I was doing a fake British accent. That's just really how the wolf talks. Oh, I'm um, going to always call him Earns. His I name know. is Alan Hearns, and I'm sure he's devastated to be traded from the Jaguars because he won't be getting those uh, yearly trips to London, and he loves the clubs in London. Anyway, he loves the clubs, and he uh, loves how Blake Bortles gets loved oh, in the clubs. Oh, is more gosh. specifically he just, what he likes to watch the <laughs> the live show he gets. Of but it's not creepy. It's not creepy. No, no at all. It's, it's, nor- it's completely normal. Anyway, we'll be right back with winners and losers from uh, this season, off-season. Yeah, winners and losers from this off-season free agency. Fantasy football style. Rotor Street Journal spots. Kyle, right after this. In the time I was your panties, I was a monkey. Butane in my veins, and I'm out to cut the chunky with the plastic eyeballs. Spray paint the vegetables, dog food. We are back. Winners and losers. Rotor Street Journal loves naming win- winners and losers when it comes to stuff like this. And I think we do it pretty well. We've had some associates of ours 
um, you know, guys we've had on the podcast in the past that have made some good calls and some bad calls in this free agency offseason and, and uh, you know, some guys that they think are going to be real positive and real negative impacts or have a real negative impact uh, to their fantasy numbers. But let's get right into it. Quarterbacks. Now, I know the guy that you're the highest on. You're high of the high on Pat Mahomes, and he, of course, is on top of your quarterback winners list along with Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky, and Kirk Cousins. Those are the four guys you have identified as winners. Talk to me about those guys. Why are these guys winners in your mind? Yeah, so I mean, Pat Mahomes, let's start with him. I already was sky high, like you mentioned. He was my QB8 before this move. Uh, I was, you know, over 100 spots higher than the rest of the ECR on him. So I've been all in on Pat Mahomes already this offseason, and now he just gets another enormous weapon boost with Sammy Watkins joining him. You know, for all that Sammy Watkins has lacked in durability and consistency, he still remains one of the best deep threats in the game. Incredible at tracking a, a long ball, great at separating down, down the field. That fits perfectly with Pat Mahomes in his absolute cannon arm. He now has Tyree Kill on one side, Sammy Watkins on the other, Travis Kelsey terrorizing the seams, and then Kareem Hunt split, you know, coming out of the backfield. How do you defend this offense? You got to imagine the Chiefs are going to be one of the highest scoring attacks in the entire league this year. And obviously the guy at the center of it all is going to be Mahomes. So if he continues to be ranked as just a mere, you know, back-end QB1, an upside guy you take in round, you know, 12, 13, then you're going to get an absolute screaming value. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I have Mahomes on my team. I'll, of course, play the market and take him where he's going, but I'll bleep around maybe even two just to make sure I get him, especially now with such an incredible deep cast. I mean, Alex Smith was the QB2 with less weapons last year, with less arm talent naturally. Yes, Alex Smith is a great quarterback, probably more controlled with the ball. There'll probably be some more turnovers when it comes to Mahomes, but this is a guy with mobility so he can buy time in the pocket for the absolute most stacked deep cast in the league. So you give those guys a few extra seconds to get down the field. I mean, Tyree Kill already averaged the most yards of separation for wide receivers, and now he gets a guy that can buy him even more time, and then you got Sammy Watkins taking away more attention. It's just incredible what Mahomes has at his disposal this year, and he's going to be an absolute monster fantasy-wise. So I love him. You mentioned some other names too. Tyrod Taylor, similarly, I mean, obviously he changes teams, but his upgrade really comes at the, the sake of the weapons. He now has Josh Gordon to throw to, Jarvis Landry, the premier slot weapon in the game, versus who was he throwing to last year? I mean, Zay Jones was his top target. Jordan Matthews. Zay Jones of the naked arrest? Yeah, seriously, right? That was his top talent to throw to. A ridiculous storyline, by the way, just like kicking Fantastic in the glass. storyline. Yeah. What the, what the fuck was that? Uh, but Tyrod Taylor, obviously a huge winner. When you move from just a completely barren weapons cabinet to one of the most stacked ones in the league, Duke Johnson coming out of the backfield, one of the best pass catchers as well. And then even David Nyoku at tight end. Yeah, he didn't do anything as a rookie, but he still drips in athletic upside. Plus, he now moves from the completely vanilla schemes that the Bills have been rolling out for the last three to four years to Todd Haley's attack. Todd Haley, you know, the guy that just generated points after points anywhere he's been. Pittsburgh last year, obviously a Big Ben, and then, you know, he had Kurt Warner in Arizona. Some elite talents there. Some of the best QBs to play this game. Taylor's not in that type of wheelhouse. Still, though, it's a creative play caller that's going to squeeze the most out of him. You got T-Mobile's, you know, running threat also to go along with all this. You know they're going to capitalize on that. So, 
All of that is to say, you know, Tyrod Taylor's arrow is pointing up dramatically. I've seen a ton of hate on Twitter for the move. The risk is, of course, they draft a quarterback at number one or number four overall, and eventually that guy takes over. Sure, that is a risk. You want to make sure you have another quarterback to balance out Tyrod. But fantasy-wise, I think this guy's going to rack up rushing yards. He's going to be throwing. He throws a beautiful deep ball, spins the deep ball beautifully. He used to drop it into Watkins all the time, and now he throws to two guys in Landry and especially Josh Gordon getting down the field. I, I don't see anything but a, an upgrade, especially at the line, too. I mean, everything about this move. I keep just thinking of reasons as I talk about it, why Tyrod Taylor is skyrocketing up my rankings. Him and Mahomes, definitely the two biggest QB winners. Kirk Cousins, though, the biggest name who you threw in there. And he goes from, again, a guy that was the QB5 last year and the year before, I think the only quarterback to actually achieve that feat of two top five seasons in a row the past two seasons. He now moves from, uh, again, another barren weapons cabinet. You look at what he was throwing to last year. The horrendous Josh Doxson who never seemed to reach his upside. Jamison Crowder, who just flat out sucked for most of the year prior, the biggest bust of the year. Jordan Reed, who plays with the most gaping of vaginas. Uh, it just, he had no one to throw to all year. And, that, and now he goes to a situation with the Vikings. He's got Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, maybe the best wide receiver one-two combo, at least in the top three wide receiver combos in the league right now playing under John DeFilippo coming from the Eagles who made absolute stars out of Carson Wentz MVP campaign till he got hurt and then even Nick Foles an absolute playoff hero under his tutelage a guy that has said we we predicate getting the ball into our playmakers hands and letting them do their thing he's got some of the best playmakers at doing that in Diggs Thielen and then of course let's not forget Dalvin Cook out of the backfield and Kyle Rudolph streaking down the field is maybe the next Zach Ertz there. Uh, so he's got an absolutely stacked cast. The line has been upgraded tremendously over the last couple off seasons with the, the play calling upgrades, with the weaponry upgrades. Kirk Cousins also sees a huge up arrow next to his name. All right, let's talk about some losers. And I love putting this guy's name in the loser column because you just don't get to do it that often. Oh, we um, didn't talk about Trubisky. Sorry. I, I just realized I was looking at the agenda. I know we got to keep it moving. I apologize. But Trubisky, one of our favorite QB Who's the guy I'm calling this year is Jared Goff. I'm sorry to cut you off, Nat, but I had to get Trubisky, and he's going to be one of our guys. I don't want to forget about one of our guys this year. Trubisky, going to be our QB2 recommendation of the season. He's going to be this year's Jared Goff. You look at what they've done. They brought in the, the upstart young coach, the, the bright offensive mind in Nagy, just as the Rams had done uh, with – uh, Jared Goff last year with Sean McVay. Then they go and sign a bunch of good weaponry in terms of Allen Robinson. Then they bring in Trey Burton, the athletic seam stretcher at tight end. Uh, they're upgrading everything around Trubisky. Taylor Gabriel, a huge deep threat. Trubisky had the third best passer rating on passes over 20 yards last year. They simply just didn't dial up the deep ball because John Fox is the most conservative, horrendous play caller that's ever existed the last few years. Now he gets Nagy, who loved chucking the deep ball, with Alex Smith, who's not particularly excellent at the deep ball. Uh, he dialed up some of the most vertical plays in the league last year. You imagine that this is going to be a field-stretching offense, as we talked about with Charles Fisher with Oregon, too, who comes out. You got Mark Helfrich, who brings over some vertical tendencies from Oregon. Trubisky, everything is on the rise for him, and he could be that QB2 that ends up being a pretty bonafide QB1 by the end of the season. All right, now that we got that out of the way. Had to do it. I apologize. We talk about losers. And again, it's nice to have this guy in the loser column because you don't get to put him there too often. For either of these guys, really. First guy, Russell Wilson, you have pegged a loser. And then you've got uh, Tom Brady. 
Also, I put question marks. You put question marks just because you don't have the balls to just like come right out and say the thing that everybody knows. You couldn't just (laughs) say Brady's a loser. You had to put like your your little wussy punctuation after it to kind of try to like, (laughs) you know, balance out the fact that you've just for a second had the guts to actually come out and say it. Talk about Russell Wilson. Talk about Tom Brady and what a loser he is. Oh, my God. I just swallowed back a little bit of puke. Let's start with Wilson. And it obviously comes to the the fact that they, one, didn't make a single line upgrade. He's been playing behind a Sev line with just pure pass rush in his face. all. The, and now he's got Sue. And what we talked about earlier, Sue and Donald and Brockers coming at him. So, I mean, that just sucks. But you look at his surrounding weaponry, too. Lost Paul Richardson, who had six touchdowns last year. And then he lost Jimmy Graham, his red zone security blanket. Jimmy Graham led the league in red zone targets last year with 26, scored 10 touchdowns off those 26 targets, which also led the league for red zone touchdowns. He loses that now, too, to the Packers. So you're losing two of your biggest weapons. I think Wilson is talented enough to elevate whoever else steps up around him. I think Doug Baldwin, we're going to talk about wide receiver winners later. I think he'll step up and and certainly absorb a good amount of those scores and just a general passing stats. But when you don't make any line upgrades and you lose two of your top three weapons, you can't say anything other than that hurts his fantasy value. So Russell Wilson, definitely one of the QBs with a down arrow next to his name. All right, Tom, let's talk about Tom Brady. And I did put question marks next to it, and it's not just because I have pussy, you know, punctuation issues or whatever the hell you were talking about. I don't know if Brady's value really decreases all that much. The only reason I've mentioned him as a loser is he did lose his blindside protection in Nate Solder. The Giants gave him a humongous offer. The Pats couldn't match it. And now he loses the guy that's been protecting him for, what, six, seven straight seasons? That can't be considered a good thing. They did sign Waddle, and he's been decent, but you got to imagine Brady He's going to be facing a decent amount of more pressure than he's been accustomed to. And he's been getting hit way more often these last couple seasons uh, than he's already accustomed to. So I don't like any of that, especially when this is a guy who we've seen on his Facebook live show talking about how he questions, you know, his motivation at times and how much more he has left in him. If he starts getting hit and rattled, you know, you know, Tom has so much pride in the game. He's never going to just quit in a season or anything, but his window might've just gotten even a little bit. It's already closing losing your left tackle certainly does not help keep that window open and it just in terms of fantasy that debate between you know rogers or brady even watson if you're high on him like me it just becomes a little bit clearer that you got to have those guys above brady with these protection issues about to happen all right i actually agree with that analysis i think that's fair uh, we're going to go to running backs. Let's talk about winners at running back. We got to keep this thing moving, Wolf. You do tend to ramble, especially uh, you know when it comes to Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, your boy. Uh, I had to get it in. Come on now. You had to get it in with Mitch, hey. please. <laughs> running back winners: Jared McKinnon, Jay Ajayi, Rex Burkhead, Leonard Fournette, Legarrette Blunt, and then you got DJ? Question mark? Are you talking about David Johnson? Are you talking about Duke Johnson? Who are you talking Um, about? Actually, kind of both of them could have the up arrows, but let's start with McKinnon, the clear-cut, hugest winner of free agency, and it's by a mile. I mean, he goes from an afterthought, handcuff type of guy to a potential RB1, a, a guy that I'll probably be targeting in second rounds in a lot of drafts. 
because of the Kyle Shanahan effect, the zone blocking scheme that's so historic, but historic for a very good reason. The Shanahans have kind of trademarked that system ever since. You know, you're a big Broncos fan. I mean, you've seen Terrell Davis and all these guys who just had absolutely enormous seasons. When the Shanahans commit to a guy and they they say this guy fits our system and he's perfect for it, that's a bet I'm going to hammer every single time in fantasy. And this is a guy that Kyle Shanahan saying I got lost in the film watching him whenever he did the things that we're going to ask him to do he excelled a ton and looked great at it this is one of the best receiving threats in the the game you can get him out on a linebacker the separation issues he's going to be just a complete issue for teams where all the types of praise that that Shanahan's been heaping on this guy which has all the insiders and and me also expecting kind of a, a Freeman a Devonta Freeman type of role which if you're keeping record, Freeman's been a bona fide RB1 the last two seasons. You know, 362 opportunities in 2015, 292 opportunities in 20, 2016, and rode both of those to over 1,500 yards, had 73 and 54 receptions, respectively, and 14 and 13 TDs over those two seasons. I think McKinnon's going to mirror those numbers, assuming health. This is obviously, there's some risk. The guy's never been featured. Uh, you know, he could break down. He's a smaller guy, but he's incredibly strong, a freak athlete led the combine in every single meaningful uh, category when he tested out three years ago or four years ago at this point. Uh, Everything just checks off. If Shanahan likes this guy, I love him. And the 49ers are on the rise as an offense. So give me McKinnon all day. Let's see what else they do at the backfield. But I absolutely love this signing. They signed him to, what, four years, 30 million? You don't give him that type of money to be a complimentary piece. So this guy's going to dominate. I predicted 1,450 total yards, 8 to 10 TDs, and at least 59 receptions is my prediction right now. All right. That, that would qualify as being a winner if even most of that stuff comes true. Let's talk about Jay Ajayi. Uh, we were both a little unclear. I mean, we we bo- both see like the huge potential for this guy to blow up and be a huge winner. There's risk with him, too. Uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not as sold on him. I think I've been burned by him maybe enough times where I'm not willing to go all in on this guy. But you've got him, Rex Burkhead, Fournette, Blunt all on your winner list. Let's run through them real quick. Yeah, let's start with Ajay. As you mentioned, there's some question marks, but one glaring question mark just got removed, and that's LeGarrette Blunt. He's departed for Detroit Lions, and so Ajay's path to at least you know, 18 to 20 touches in 2017's highest scoring offense, almost 30 points per game last year, just became a whole lot clearer, and especially at the most valuable spot, and that's the goal line. So there's a massive fantasy ceiling here now. If Ajay just locks down that early down roll and that goal line, that short yardage roll, which is what he He's exactly built for, and you imagine what they traded for last year. You know, he's yes, it's a committee situation. Peterson's always ridden committees. He still has to deal with Darren Sproles and Corey Clement, but that's not even a, necessarily a bad thing for a guy in his bulky knees. It's probably for the best that he's not handling 30 touches a week and handling everything, but rather just getting those valuable scoring opportunities, which we know the Eagles generate better than any any other team. They convert on third down better than any other team, so the drives are sustained. More opportunities for Jay. And we just saw how he absolutely thrived as soon as he got to the Eagles last year. He was on pace, and this was with Blunt there, averaging almost 76 yards total yards a game, which would have been a 1,205-yard total pace uh, in a 16-game season, 15th in the league among running backs last year in terms of total yards with Blunt still there. So now that's removed. You imagine that total goes up. And he just thrived on the trap. The, the Eagles run more traps and more creative blocks. The best line in the league, they have the most athleticism and power 
so they can run all these creative run blocking schemes. They dominated on trap plays, and that's exactly where Ajayi thrives with these blockers. These big guys are getting down the field. Now he has open space and guys in front of him. He is incredible at making the most of those opportunities. Uh, his open field vision is second to none. Even if he doesn't have the breakaway speed, he's excellent at just generating humongous chunk plays when he has blockers in front of him. So I love this move for Ajayi with Blunt removed. I think his RB1 rebound upside just got a whole lot clearer. And right now he's ranked only at the 44th running back by the or 44th overall no. by the expert <laughs> consensus. You know, yeah, not 44th running back. Not he's RB4. like, even I think that's a steal. No, 44th overall. So, I mean, you're talking a late third rounder early or no, late fourth rounder even, right? That's, you know, almost to the end of the fourth round. This is a guy that should be going in round late round two with the upside he has. So if that current that market price doesn't correct itself, you're looking at one of the best opportunities uh, of 2018 right now. All right, Rex Burkhead, why is he a winner? Uh, simply because Deion Lewis is gone. He's departed the Titans, and that obviously sucks uh, for certain guys when we get to the losers. But that opens up last year, 16 touchdowns, sixth in the league. The year before, 19 touchdowns. So that was fifth in the league uh, in terms of rushing stats. So that's completely opened up. Burke had thrived in the role last year. I am still a little wary that you know Gillisley's lingering there. They signed Jeremy Hill, so two bigger, stronger backs. One of those guys could totally stranglehold that role if they show well in camp and and OTAs and all that. But ultimately, Burkhead brings the most versatility type of Deion Lewis skill set with the receiving, the rushing, the power, the elusiveness. He kind of is the the Deion Lewis light there. So you imagine he at least inherits that kind of main back role that saw Lewis thriving down the stretch as one of the best fantasy picks. So Burkhead has, has a much clearer path to now that volume and could be a, a sneaky RB2 that you get in round six, seven at his current price. I love the removal of Deion Lewis for Burkhead. Leonard Fournette? Uh, that's mainly because one, Chris Ivory's gone. Not that Ivory was a huge factor, but got his random, you know, goal line touch here and there and whatnot. But the big thing here is Andrew Norwell has joined them. The best offensive lineman on the market was graded out huge by PFF as the number eight run blocking guard, maybe the number two pass blocking guard, which obviously doesn't help Fournette. But ultimately, the the run blocking grades have always been stellar, always well above eighty five percent on his run blocking grades, uh, and just the coach speak so far has been rampant that Fournette completely excelled and, and you know surpassed all expectations as a receiver last year and that they're priming him now for even more work as a receiver uh, more of a three down role so you upgrade the line you give him more volume yes I'm nervous about his health and how often he can hold up with those bulky feet but Fournette is definitely a winner at this point with a, that beefed up line in Norwell especially you like the LeGarrette Blunt move to the lines I don't love it. I'm not like out here running to get LeGarrette Blunt, but now no, that it's makes just, two of us. Yeah, you know, but you got to consider him a winner because he's removed from that completely crowded Eagles backfield to now the clear big back of a backfield. You know, he's what's around him. Abdullah. He's not going to get the goal line touches. Theo Riddick, actually kind of good at the goal line, but more as a receiver than a runner. You got to think, uh, and one of the higher scoring offenses in the league with the Lions, Blunt's going to have some decent touchdown chances. You obviously have Matt Patricia coming in as a head coach who's familiar with Blunt. Their GM, uh, Bob Quinn, has Patriots ties as well. So they have some familiarity with Blunt. They know that he just came off of, what, a 16-touchdown season just two years ago with the Patriots. He should inherit that hammer role and have a decent shot at seven, eight TDs as the clear big back there. Definitely an upgrade, even if I'm not sprinting out because I don't love the talent. Good opportunity there in Detroit. All right. You want to elaborate on DJ real quick before we move on to the losers? 
I just know in a couple podcasts, if, if for longtime listeners, mm-hmm. I mentioned that I was a bit down on DJ, that I'd rather have Kamara, uh, strictly because we didn't know if Mike McCoy, who's historic with committees, was going to commit to this guy. You, you figured that, yes, this talent's so special that he will give him mostly a featured work. But McCoy and uh, their head coach have both, because Steve Kahn, have both come out and said, you know, this is our centerpiece. This is our offensive, uh, you know, foundation. We're going to be running the ball. Nothing's more demoralizing than a running back that can just take over a game and we have one so we're going to feed him but then since then as well they've really beefed up the line that was my other big concern they signed Justin Pugh who was after Norwell the best guard on the line so they're really shoring up that interior uh you imagine the line takes the next step he's destined for featured work I said those were the two cards I needed to see checked off if I was going to move DJ back into my good graces and I've seen them both checked off so big fan of David Johnson and the moves that have been happening there all right let's talk losers and the first loser, this this hurts, it's Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry seems like, man, he, this guy shouldn't be on the loser list. I mean, talent-wise, if yeah. he were a woman in a bar, he'd he'd be smoking hot. Come on. And on the football field, as, as a football field uh, player and as a fantasy player, he's smoking hot. Yeah. What's, what's going on? Derrick Henry, biggest loser. I know why, but I'm still going to make you say it. So what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, make me go through the pain. Thanks, Nat. I appreciate that. But it's because they signed Deion Lewis. And I mean, if the team was sold on him, obviously they would never bring in Lewis, who was arguably the top running back talent available in free agency. It just it hurts. It's like, why can't this team? What have they not seen? Every time he's been featured, he's excelled. What are they not seeing? It starts to make me question, you know, should I be this high on Derrick Henry? If the, the Titans aren't, they've clearly had their long look at him and they still cannot commit to him then why should I be so high on him? And obviously now the volume question marks are enormous. They bring in Lewis to a big contract, and Lewis does on paper seem to fit Matt LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, and what he likes to do, which is, quote, from last year with the Rams and as he got to the Titans, his quotes were, he loves to merge the passing game and the running game. There's no one better than Deion Lewis at doing that task. You know, he's a a great receiver, an underrated runner with great power despite his small size, kind of a Le'Veon Bell light with the way he like waits for the holes to develop. I mean, I love Lewis as a talent. I wish those two were separated from each other because I think they could both be RB1s in the right situations. But now they're just going to be eating each other's cheese. Lewis seems the better fit for this system. So now it's just what does Henry become? Is he a goal line hammer? Does he? Is it an even workload and they split it? What's that going to be? That becomes one of the most important storylines to track. But it could have been a situation where he was a bonafide RB1 and Lewis was a bonafide RB1. And now we just don't know what that backfield's going to look like all right speaking of losers carlos hyde a guy that our our buddy grant cone's been calling a loser for a long time but he actually (laughs) had a pretty good fantasy season last year i'm assuming he's on this list just by uh virtue of being shipped out of san francisco which you you thought was possibly developing into a pretty nice uh, running situation oh obviously and i just raved about jarek mckinnon for you know four or five minutes everything that he had going for him, everything that he has going for him is what Hyde had going for him last year. The reason that Hyde had 59 receptions, you know, almost tripled what he's had any any season previous was because of that Kyle Shanahan system. And he was an ill fit and he still racked up, 
you know, almost 1,300 total yards and eight TDs despite missing some time. So, I mean, Hyde was dominating there. It was a great situation. And now he departs and goes to Cleveland, which isn't the worst of landing spots. I mean, their line is very strong, probably better than the 49ers in terms of talent. Todd Haley is a coordinator who's schemed workhorse volume for guys like Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles. So this isn't a, a horrible coordinator for a running back by any means. In fact, a very strong one. The only issue here is... Duke Johnson's on the roster and is by far the better receiver. So Carlos Hyde kind of slots himself into that Crowell role, which has not been all that fruitful despite having that big beefy line. I mean, obviously the offense as a whole got massive upgrades with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, Jarvis Landry and uh, Josh Gordon on the outside. So it's going to be a much more explosive offense and generate more scoring opportunities than Crowell ever saw there. And Hyde is a decent talent, so it's not an enormous downgrade, but you are going from that juicy, juicy scheme of Kyle. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers and featured work all over to now more of a committee situation in a potentially less fruitful scheme. So a little bit of a downgrade for Carlos Hyde, but not a tremendous one either. I'm a little bit disheartened by the fact that I feel like this is redundancy at its at its worst. You have Amir Abdullah on the loser list, which I kind of feel like is like, you know, making a list of famous sports murderers and then throwing O.J. Simpson on it. And it's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> Of course, uh, this is supposed yeah, right. to be hard hitting news. We know Amir Abdul is a loser. Why are no, you waste? Why are you wasting our time with this? We're not. Let's move on. We already knew he was a loser. All right, Lashawn McCoy, no Tyrod Taylor. Um, he's still McCoy, but you, you think he's gonna he's gonna take a hit? Yeah, I think definitely. I, who do they have throwing the ball there? Is it AJ McCarron? AJ McCarron. You know, is that really threatening a defense? What other mm. weapons do they have? I mean, the work is going to be a hundred percent all shadies. But how fruitful is that going to be? Plus, they did sign Chris Ivory. I could totally see them lessening Shady's role at the goal line when you got a bruiser like Ivory back there. Maybe that's the way they kind of keep McCoy fresh is giving Ivory that short yardage role. So then you're you're splitting, you know, you're losing valuable touches. You're in an offense that's going to take a step back if, you know, right now if Peterman's your quarterback, that's god-awful. They traded away their left tackle, so their line took a hit. Plus, let's not forget the fact that McCoy is 30 and has a high, you know, tread on his tires here. I already was down on him, and none of these moves are making me swing the needle the other way by any means. All right, Marshawn Lynch to round off the losers. According to uh, you know uh, friends of the podcast, Beer Fueled Fantasy, uh, they yeah. say Marshawn Lynch is a loser. You agree? I think I kind of think that's like fairly obvious as well. I think so too. I mean, they brought in Doug Martin, the mu- muscle hamster, so at minimum, it's now a committee situation. We don't even know if Lynch is going to be playing this year, right. so I guess we shouldn't waste don't too much breath on, on this. Uh, but uh, you know, now you got another power back, a similar guy in Doug Martin, younger though, younger, fresher. So there's no guarantee that Lynch is going to emerge there even as the starter now. So a lot more questions to how that backfield is going to shake out. I have no idea what Gruden's planning or scheming there, uh, but it's looking confusing as all hell. So that's going to be a situation I most likely avoid and was probably going to avoid even before Martin was there. So it doesn't help him by any means. All right, let's talk wide receivers. Allen Robinson, probably the biggest winner, at least according to the Wolf, or at least one of them, uh, not to Mm -hmm. be confused with Allen Earns. Uh, Allen Robinson, we also got Doug Baldwin on the list, Devontae Adams, um, and then a couple other guys going down. If we get to him, we can. Uh, Mitchell Renz, also a friend of the podcast, sent us a message that, that we'll get to at the end of the winner's section. Uh, Alan Robinson, talk to me about him. 
Well, he slides into a situation which was the absolute ideal value hole. I know we talked about that a lot last time uh, in the NFL in terms of receivers. Over 200 targets were available. Over 2,000 air yards were available from last year. And he's going to slide in and command by far the vast majority of those, which is incredible because that volume is going to be coming from an awesome new coordinator in Matt Nagy, a guy that we love, and Mark Helfrich, as we keep talking about. We talked with Charles Fisher. All those Oregon roots, all that college creativity is now coming. Coming to the Bears. So you got this creative scheme, tons of volume available, and then a wide receiver in Robinson who's built to handle it as good as anybody in the league. He's you know, only a few years removed from 1,400 yards and 14 TDs, and that was with Blake Bortles throwing them the ball. As we mentioned earlier with my boy Mitch Trubisky, I know I had to cut in on you about him. He, he throw, throws, according to the stats last year, the third best deep ball in the league, and he has Allen Robinson who thrived shockingly. You know, He's not the fastest guy, but he thrived on the deep ball in 2015 on that huge breakout year. He led the league with 19 catches, 672 yards on passes that were thrown for over 20 yards. Uh, yards so you got a coordinator who loves to dial up the deep ball in Nagy you got a receiver who thrived on the deep ball in his best season and a quarterback that throws the deep ball as good with any in the NFL I mean it seems like the perfect marriage plus you add in the fact that they have Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton there so you can't just zoom in on Allen Robinson and take him out of the game completely it's it's an exciting situation for Robinson I think he's bound to as long as he's healthy there's obviously risk because he's coming off a bust year and then a, a torn ACL so there's huge risk there yes but I think that's going to be baked into his ADP and you're going to get some serious ceiling with a guy like Robinson all right Doug Baldwin not much has been done to help the Seahawks why do you think Doug Baldwin belongs on the winner's list well, yeah, I think the Seahawks as a team are definitely struggling. I think Russell Wilson, as we talked about, is taking a hit because he keeps losing all these targets. But Doug Baldwin's the one that stands to benefit the most from all this freed up space. He's a guy that now has, we talked about Jimmy Graham's 26 red zone targets, NFL leading 26 red zone targets, are now completely up for grabs. Paul Richardson was actually second on the team with 11 red zone targets. So Baldwin was tied for third with Tyler Lockett on the red zone target totem pole which seems embarrassing considering that in 2015, this is a guy that had 14 touchdowns. I don't know if you remember that. I do. He's an NFL record with 12 touchdowns in only eight games to finish out 2015. So this is a guy with very established red zone chemistry with Russell Wilson and nobody else there standing in his way for a major red zone role. And again, we know Russell Wilson, even though he's taking a downgrade as a fantasy talent, is still a great quarterback and a guy that can scramble by his guy's time. This is the number one clear-cut target of a talented quarterback with tons of red zone volume up for grabs and again established red zone chemistry with his quarterback all of those factors tell me that Baldwin who often gets treated as this you know quality wide receiver too this is a guy that should finish as a bona fide wide receiver one I mean he's been the wide receiver 11 wide receiver eight and wide receiver 10 over his last three campaigns so he's been a wide receiver one for three straight years and that's under 125 targets in all three of those seasons he's going to see the most volume especially in the red zone of his career he should be treated as by far a top 15 guy uh maybe this year's Keenan Allen is kind of what I compare him to that third round guy that ends up being you know a bona fide wide receiver one when all is said and done Devontae Adams you've sung his praises on more than one occasion do you think he ends up being a big winner here 
Of course, with Jordy Nelson removed, it's similar to Baldwin. You know, addition by subtraction in terms of fantasy value. We got you know, Jordy Nelson gone, and you look at the damage he's done with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers' top target has always been a monster. Jordy Nelson, since you know he's only played four 16-game seasons in his last seven campaigns with Rodgers. But let's look at his outputs in all those. 2016, he was the number two fantasy receiver. 2014, he was the number three fantasy receiver. 2013, the number 13. But then 20. 11 the number two so you know three out of those last four healthy seasons have been top three finishes for Jordy Nelson with one number 13 finish tossed in there which certainly isn't horrendous by any means and now Adams slides into that role obviously the vacated red zone chemistry of of Jordy Nelson is humongous we know that Jimmy Graham is going there and he's a monster red zone target as we've alluded to this entire show but Adams Roger just loves those you know deep corner fades and just maximizing that chemistry with receivers and Adams was getting far more separation than Jordy ever was last year so maybe a more athletic and just complete receiver at this stage of the game and he's sliding into that prime juicy opportunity as Rogers number one I love what this means for Adams and it's going to be tricky I'm going to actually ask you this one CJ wanted me to throw this one to you on the fire would you take Adams over Mike Thomas ever Ever? I mean, like, of course, ever. Uh, there's some scenario this that year, I would take. Would you, if we were drafting today, would you take Thomas or Devontae Adams? Thomas. I know you would, and I probably would too. But, man, that would never have even entered my mind before Jordy Nelson left. And now it's really weighing on me. I, I'm intrigued to see what I do on Wednesday with that live <laughs> ranking show I've been talking about. I don't know how high I'm going to go with Adams, but I know he's going to be moving up quite a bit. Friend of the podcast, Mitchell Renz, messaged the fullback dive on Twitter, and he says Marquise Goodwin is a wide receiver winner. And that's where we're going to wrap up our winners. What are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I can't disagree necessarily, mostly because they didn't add anybody. There's tons of linkings to Allen Robinson going there, or really any of those big name wide receivers, and nobody's emerged. So you got to say, yeah, Marquise Goodwin remains that top receiver there. Although you can't forget that until Pierre Garcon went down, Goodwin was pretty much a non factor. Obviously, he emerged, he showed what he can do, and he's established some great chemistry with Jimmy uh, Garoppolo already. So, yes, I think all of that does carry over, and I think this certainly helps him that they didn't add anybody. But we can't just pretend like Pierre Garçon doesn't exist and wasn't the top guy before he went down. So I don't look at him as like the guy that won free agency, but I certainly can see why he'd get a little bit of a bump up. All right. Losers when it comes to wide receivers. It gets a little cloudy here. Um, yeah, well, we don't need to spend a ton of time on there. I know we're kind of going over. You no, but I mean, we, we should at least no. mention him. Uh, Mitchell Renz yeah. uh, also let us know who he thought was one of the big losers. He said Jarvis Landry, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um might be right. Beerfield Fantasy says Jordy Nelson. They they got us in there. And then we got a couple guys like Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Calvin Benjamin, uh, you know, maybe Crabtree. We're not really sure where he fits into things. Yeah. None of these seem like a slam dunk to me. So why don't you just really quickly give me your thoughts on wide receiver potential losers? I'd say the only one that I'm looking at that's like, yes, this guy lost clearly is Jordy Nelson. And that's just pretty obvious when you go from Aaron Rodgers, who you dominated with for so often, to now Derek Carr. Yeah, I like Derek Carr. I think he's an ascending quarterback in this league. He's not Aaron Rodgers. And Jordy Nelson does need that timing, that trust. Who knows if we're going to see that? And certainly we're not going to see the air volume based on Gruden saying, I want to bring it back to 
know, the 1990s and just play smash mouth football all day. The vo- air volume just not going to be there for Jordy to ever replicate anything that he was doing in Green Bay. At best, you know, he'll definitely do a little bit better than what he was finishing the year off with Brett Hundley. Still, I don't think he's that much better. That you know, With Rodgers last year, he was absolutely crushing. He was the number one receiver in points per game in standard leagues. And then he went on to not score. You know, he had six touchdowns in those four games that he played. Two games with multiple touchdowns. Same old Jordy was dominating. And then he didn't haul in a single TD or catch in more than 35 yards the rest of the way after week six when Rodgers went down. I mean, that was just absolutely disgusting. And it kind of goes to show how much of uh, Nelson's value is dependent on uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, All of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we'll see what he can do with Carr. We'll see just how much – this will be the, the measuring stick is how much was Rodgers creating this Jordy Nelson machine over these last few years. But especially, I mean, Nelson's also old at this stage. So everything's pointing downward on Jordy, leaving such a great setup that he's dominated in for years to now the Raiders who are going to play some smash mouth football. Don't love any of that. The rest of it, you know, Landry, he's obviously the clear alpha in Miami and now he slides in behind Josh Gordon. But I don't hate it. I mean, he's the premier slot weapon in the league. Todd Haley's never really had a guy like Landry to work with. I mean, Antonio Brown obviously dominates the intermediate game better than anybody. But Landry brings a lot of similar, if, even though he doesn't have the deep ball kind of tracking skills that Brown has, he brings a lot of that intermediate game to him. So I think he's going to mold quite a bit of volume for Landry. They wouldn't have acquired him without a clear vision. Maybe they put him in the backfield. Who knows? So I'm I'm, I'm still intrigued by Landry, even if it's a slight downgrade. I'd agree with you, Mitch. But ultimately, I don't think it's a huge one like Jordy. And the rest of them, it's like Watkins wasn't that dependable. You look at Tyree Kill and you're like, oh, now Watkins is going to eat into it. Yeah, but he only had 110 targets last year anyways. He'll probably see the same volume and now have even more room to roam down the field deep. So I'm not looking at Tyreek as a huge downgrade either. Kelvin Benjamin, yeah, who's throwing him the ball? I guess that certainly hurts. Uh, but yeah, who, were you really that all in on Kelvin Benjamin this year anyways? Hopefully not. So it's, it is definitely cloudier at wide receiver. The only clear clear-cut loser to me is definitely Jordy Nelson. Agree with that completely. Let's go on to tight ends. Trey Burton, Hunter Henry, then you got Jimmy Graham, but you say he's a winner on paper, but he was better in the red zone. Uh, Seattle, perhaps. Uh, Quick thoughts on the tight end winners. Uh, Trey Burton, you know, definitely the clear-cut winner, goes from Zach Ertz's massive shadow, one of the best tight ends in the league in Zach Ertz, to now the clear-cut guy in Chicago. I mean, he has Adam Shaheen to contend with, but he's very raw, and they spent some big bucks to get Burton, so they clearly view him at least as the the main pass complement tight end. He's not as big as Shaheen. He's not nearly the blocker. Uh, So Burton's going to kind of be that flex tight end that moves all around the formation and is entering a scheme of Matt Nagy, which is just capitalized on athletic seam stretchers like Travis Kelsey over the years. So Burton lands in a great spot with tons of available volume. We talked about, again, over 200 targets and 2,000 yards of air volume when we were talking about Robinson. Trey Burton will inherit plenty of that as the next uh, major tight end factor for Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich. Hunter Henry benefits from the fact that Antonio Gates is still on the market. The team really wanted him back. I'm sure they could have worked out some sort of friendly deal to have him come back. There's still a chance that Gates does emerge there again, but right now it looks like it's 
Hunter Henry's job and, and his alone, which is all we've ever really wanted. So that red zone volume, the massive you know athletic upside can finally be capitalized when he has all the targets going towards him. And then Graham on paper, like we mentioned, Jordy Nelson's presence now removed from Green Bay and so much of the red zone damage was done through him. Graham comes in with, again, that 26 red zone targets, 10 TDs of last year, and he was just flat out dominant in the, the red area. He should be put in prime position to score TD after TD with Aaron Rodgers in an offense that's going to be in the red zone plenty. But I just say the history of tight ends going there, that was supposed to be the case for Martellus Bennett last year. That was supposed to be the case for Jared Cook the year before. Jermichael Finley was supposed to be the next major tight end one with all that athleticism that he brought and that size in the red zone. It just has never worked out. So I am wary of that poor track record. And I'm I'm considering Graham actually a loser in this sense because in, in Seattle, we knew what he was doing. We knew the type of red zone volume he was seeing. Now it's just more hypothetical with Aaron Rodgers and the track record does not support him breaking out right now let's talk about some losers at the tight end pains me to put this guy at the top of the loser list Jack Doyle and of course Eric Ebron and those guys are connected so uh, talk to me a little bit about that yeah, Ebron landed with the Colts, and now it becomes from Jack Doyle's show. We've been raving about him and Frank Reich and how he's used his tight ends in the past. And he has schemed up so much volume that both of those guys could maintain some fantasy value. But it goes from, you know, this guy's a clear-cut next Zach Ertz type of candidate to, oh, this guy's in a committee situation, and maybe he'll score this week, and he'll disappear the next. So he just becomes, again, one of those tight ends that you're banking on a TD or bust. And I hate that. The volume's just no longer there. Ebron's a great athlete, probably more athletic than Doyle, if not even if he's not as quite as reliable. I just hate the situation. Why did Ebron have to go there and ruin his value? Uh, and, and similarly, Cameron Brait reemerges. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. O.J. Howard's value obviously takes a massive hit with Cameron Brait landing that massive, inexplicable extension. Why would you spend such a high draft capital on O.J. Howard if you were going to just re-sign Brait to such a massive deal? doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why they're doing it. But now there's, again, another situation with two very talented guys that are just going to be eating each other's value and make it – impossible to know which one's going to explode and just reliability is going to be completely lacking in Tampa Bay and in Indy now. Man, all right, there you go. You have it. Winners and losers. That's 40 minutes of content there, folks. Winners and losers. Um, You know, hope you enjoyed it. I I definitely enjoyed it, Wolf. I'm impressed. I'm always impressed by how much you can just kind of shoot off the top of your head. Um, I know you did a little bit of prep going into this, but still, you're able to go. And I know if I weren't hustling you along, this would have been like an hour and a half. I could have gone for three hours. I know. You could have. (laughs) An hour and a half was being conservative. All right. We'll be right back. We're going to wrap things up with a little bit from Sound Guy Nate. We're going to talk to him uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, his just crimes against the Rotor Street Journal and uh, and then talk a little bit about the huge celebrities that he was rubbing elbows with uh, just a few days ago right after this all right we are back and you know this has been a long time coming this guest that we've got here and by a long time I mean like you know we haven't even recorded in two weeks but sound guy Nate who is obviously an ever-present factor in all the fantasy fullback dives, uh, broadcast actually made his way to Beverly, which is, I mean, that's that's the global headquarters of the Roto Street Journal. The guy was, like, within within the city limits. And keep in mind, he's, he's located practically in Canada most of the time and uh, was literally in Beverly 
<laughs> and there was, from what I understand, because I wasn't there, because I live out in Western Mass and, you know, have responsibilities because I'm, you know, a parent and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, there was, from what I understand, quite a classy breakfast laid out in his honor. Uh, the wolf. Classy. It was a classy, classy, classy stuff. The wolf did not spare any expense. Um, we're talking, I mean, we're talking free dinner rolls for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, if, Matt, I don't think you've ever been to the Anchor yet, but if you've been here, you know it's the classiest of venues. I mean, I'd say 90% of the patrons don't have teeth, which is cool. Uh, the, the floors have not been cleaned in about six years, right. I would like to say. It used to be a strip club, I actually just found out, back in the 80s, which is a fun little fact about the Anchor. If you're one of the 10% of the people, <laughs> if you're one of the 10% of the people that have teeth in the Anchor, d- d- I'm one of don't them. Right. I mean, you don't want to even get me started oh, on the kind of service you get in that place if you got teeth, if you got a full set. They don't like you, actually. They they frown upon teeth, I think. Well, the point is, this big thing <laughs> was set up. And Nate, the sound, you know what? I'm going to let Wolf, I'll let you take over from there. You know, the narrative can now become yours. I, I mean, no, that's that's about it. Is we, we rolled together the big crew. We had, you know, CJ, the head honcho. Jimmy drove down from Boston. I mean, we had everything laid out, and we we're excited to just have our guy who's been working his ass off. Granted, Soundgate Nate is amazing. And we just wanted to treat the guy to a breakfast, kind of brainstorm all together, just hang out, enjoy the time. We got him home finally to, to be able to maybe even give him a nice warm embrace, a nice wolf hug. And I couldn't even get the paws on him. And I just want to know why, Nate. I want to know why. Give it to me straight. Well, I mean, first off, um, I'm here. I'm here to take my lashings in the public square. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give myself shame. the shame bell right shame. here. And, and uh, shame. the shame bell. <laughs> shame. Um, yeah, I mean that's shame. that's pretty much what happened. I. I uh, and I also want to point out to our listeners shame. that at any point, shame. I could have edited out. Shame. My transgressions from any of the podcasts, Shame. and now there's nothing that Shame. the Wolf and Truth could have done about it. I could have covered my tracks Shame. thoroughly, and I did yes. not. So I, I'm we here appreciate take, that. I'm here to take Shame. my my punishment. Um, yeah, basically, um, I am either working like an absolute slave. Um, I do touring sound and tour management, as you guys know. Yes. Um, or I'm in Minnesota taking care of my kid. Um, and there isn't really any, there's not really any days where I'm not doing one of those two things. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself in Beverly for about 48 hours with no child and no work. And I woke up at one o'clock on Sunday and I had missed the breakfast. Yeah. Uh, yada yada yada. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> there, I I could throw in a bunch of BS and a bunch of uh, you know NC seventeen content, but uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that, and I'm just gonna say that I'm here to take my public punishment, and uh, yeah, I I'm sorry to both you and the truth, even though the truth wasn't there. But you're you're peripherally also sorry to me, and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm directly sorry to the wolf, and especially the salt man. <laughs> I can't even imagine the level of the level of salt that must oh have been. Gosh. Levied, oh my gosh! Levied by, I mean, the, I I would have been like the girl on the on the Morton salt shaker with the umbrella, just getting <laughs> rained salt upon me from from CJ. So CJ, I'm sorry. I know you listen to this. Um, and Jimmy, I'm pretty sure Jimmy's the one that that won me some DraftKings money. As well, so sorry to him. And oh, yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I got 
I got nothing. I have no reasons, no excuses. Just Nate, uh, super responsible, hardworking Nate Dog had 48 hours off, and I got in the DeLorean, went back to 2007, and it was all it was all downhill from there. From about 10 o'clock on Friday until one o'clock on Sunday. So, I mean, you've back. been you recently just got back from from a, another job i mean you were in miami right yeah i was working a ultra festival down in miami um any uh, anything of interest uh, happened there uh yeah um so i i got hired to stage manage uh the dim mac record label party which is uh steve aoki's record label that he started out in la um they have people on their uh, on their roster like steve aoki the rapper designer who does that song panda Mm. Um, they had uh, Carnage. Q, Q Panda right now. Hey, <laughs> uh, Carnage, Data Life, Ricky Remedy, Cheat Codes, um, a bunch of in the DJ world famous. I'm sure this sounds like nonsense to you know. I, I might as well be listing you know 1940s baseball players to millennials. No, no, I know? I know Cheat Codes. <laughs> I, know, I know up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. BA star. Um, I know Cheat Codes. But, uh, but uh, designer is famously very good friends with Shaquille O'Neal. Um, when Shaquille O'Neal was in the Battle Royal at WrestleMania 32, he came out to Panda. Nice. Um, nice. So I got a text message. Um, I was setting up my stage at around 11 a.m. that day, and I got a text message saying uh, Shaq's coming from the from the client, from the guy that owned, from the guy who hired me. That, that's all the text said. It just said Shaq's coming. <laughs> and, and that was it. And I was like, "Now, now, were you able to spot Shaq in a crowd? Like, does he stand yeah, out?" It was hard, man. It was hard. I mean, you know, like next to five foot six Aoki, you probably, probably had like a right baseball right. cap down. You probably like was pretty low pro. <laughs> Dude, he came on stage in neon green, flashing sunglasses, uh, seven feet tall, three hundred pounds. I mean, oh, he was 300 pounds I, when he played. Nate, when he played, so, he was 300. He's probably 400 now. Yeah, he had a Superman shirt on with uh, the number 34 O'Neill on the back. Um, In case you and, didn't know which one was him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then Sha- Shaq actually yelled at me. Uh, I made eye contact with him and he yelled at me because. What did he say? Um, well,. For for some backstory, uh, Designers DJ had asked for all sorts of crazy gear that we didn't have because it was so last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told him what gear we had, and he was like, all right, man, Like when I get there, I might have to pick your brain about some shit. So I was like, all right. And Designers DJ got there, and like Designer was supposed to go on in like five minutes. And the guy was having problems with his DJ gear. So I'm up there with him troubleshooting, like, you know, here's how you plug in. Like, this is what you got to do. And some random white guy who looked like a lawyer – just came into the DJ booth and plugged in a USB drive and started playing Jump Around by House of Pain. Mm. And I turned to him, just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, designer's about to go on. And he was like, oh, it's Shaq's theme song. So then Shaq comes bounding out on stage, and he's like, yo, what up, Aldro? What's going on? And so because the music is blasting in my face, like, super loud, and I'm trying to have a conversation with this, with this dude, I turned down the monitor a little bit, and then it was like an eclipse, like a giant shadow passed in front of my face. And I looked up and it was Shaq. And he just looked, he just looked me dead in the eye and he goes, turn that shit up. <laughs> I'm sure you turned that shit up immediately. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> right no choice there. 
Um, so, so then uh, things continued to escalate when uh, uh, Wolf's favorite tight end, Rob Gronkowski, appeared. Um, oh, yeah. I had the distinct honor of keeping our lighting system running while he was dry humping it in sweatpants. So, uh, <laughs> Hugely jealous right now. Great, great fantasy content right there. Uh, major major upside for, <laughs> for for me as a blocker uh, running against Gronk. Um, if I'm you know if I'm out there defending the lighting system, he's, he's gonna have a low he's gonna have a low day, low output. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was wild, man. That that was one of the crazier gigs I've ever been on. Like it it was already like a pretty big deal to be doing the Steve Aoki thing. Um, yeah. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of shit going on, and then just get attack to get a text message. It just says Shaq's coming, um, and then to get the unannounced Rob Gronkowski. I mean, I don't know. You guys have seen the video. I mean, the video is going around. Oh, and it's huge! I, it's viral, dude. I can't believe yeah. you were like the sound manager at this. I was, I, was, I, yeah, I was the backline manager and just kind of lurking in the shadow. I haven't really looked closely at the footage, but I'm sure you can see me looking terrified as Rob Gronkowski humps my lights. And oh, uh, I gotta, yeah, I got to rewatch it. Looking for you now. Sure, I'm in the shadows. I'm behind. I'm hidden behind the entourages. Um, but yeah, just a wild time, man. And now I'm uh, back home, about to take my kid out for dinner and. Uh, yeah, decided to pop on and take my lashings for the breakfast. And then it just happened. And it just happened that I was in the background of like a million view viral video today. So I was like, oh, perfect timing. (laughs) Man, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the public lashing. We also like any sort of story that's like a good name drop for Shaq. And um, when you said the Wolf's favorite tight end, I assumed you were talking about Travis Kelsey. But I guess you're talking about Gronk. That's good, too. Wolf likes him also. Uh, Actually, when when I said that, I was like, "Oh, I should have taken it back." Because Wolf's gonna get ex- excited for that beanstalk, just Jack Doyle. Coming <laughs> yeah, he out. also <laughs> likes Doyle. We're gonna talk about Doyle on this episode, so make sure oh, you tune in. I, I'll, I'll have to check it out later. I'm, I've, I've been away for a couple of days, so I got to get my dad on, All right. and get back into the flow. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, you can scour that video and look for look for a uh, James Franco Kermit the Frog hybrid running around stressing out back there absolutely sounds good man thanks for joining us all is all is forgiven with that excellent story but next time you got to get Shaq to endorse the rsj live on stage (laughs) yeah i was only able i was only able to get turn that shit up real quick real quick and and i know you got to go but i just had a great thought we need to send nate around with some sort of roto street journal branded uh, you know, just just something that like if someone like Gronk shows up, they could hump it, and uh, oh, and then it yeah. would go viral, and it would have our logo right now. Look at look I, at Rob Gronkowski humping uh, that <laughs> Roto Street Journal table leg or whatever. But, um, I'm just I saying. Mean, I- I mean that's kind of on me for not having the branded content on hand. Because shout out to the Salt Man, he did mail me a T-shirt. Mm. So that's that's on me for that's for not. Well, you know what? Yeah. That's forgiven too. Awesome. <laughs> All right, awesome. man. Well, yeah. I will catch up with you guys. I will catch up with you guys in a little bit, and uh, I'll look forward to dropping in all these all these uh, shame bells and designer tracks later on. Yeah, Have a good time with your daughter, dude. <laughs> Enjoy the dinner. Yes. The All right. Thanks for on, man. Yeah, of course. See you guys later. All right, man. Episode ten in the books. Episode X. Roman numeral, Roman numeral style. Uh, 
And don't you think X is the co- is like the coolest Roman numeral? I think so. Oh, it's so badass. Yeah, it's badass. It's too bad once we got the Super Bowl 50 and it's like, hey, Super Bowl L. It's like, that sucks. Uh, such a That m- sucks. Yeah. What, what the hell were the Romans thinking? They didn't have no any idea. foresight at all. Anyway, uh, great stuff from Sound Guy Nate. Uh, all is forgiven, of course. Sounds yes. pretty cool. We're going to work on getting some sort of portable uh, Roto Street Journal humpable, like, uh, you know, memory foam <laughs> kind of stick or whatever that, that, you know, Nate can bring around. And if he runs into Gronk or something, he can just be like, here. Next thing you know, we're going to blow up. Anyway. That's all uh, it takes. That was good stuff. It's good getting back on the horse. Well, if you want to talk social media real quick. Of course, just one more reminder again that the broadcast is our, our next off-season goal. We've kind of hit our groove with the podcast, so now it's time to turn that into a video show. So this Wednesday, uh, ideally, we're going to be t- doing our live ranking show, all these big moves we just talked about, these movers and shakers, these winners and losers. Let's figure out exactly how the big board shakes out get behind the curtain, see how I do my rankings and my thought process behind it, and obviously bring any and all questions you have, anyone you want me to talk about, I would be happy to. So tune in on Wednesday. I will go. Nat won't be there to cut me off. And so, you know, I want – otherwise, I'm just sitting in a corner talking to myself all day about fantasy. I'm glad to have some viewers and some listeners. So come on in on Wednesday. Tune in. We'll hopefully be debuting the Roto Street Rundown on Sunday as well. Two new broadcasts. And soon enough, this fantasy fullback dive is going to be having its own live broadcast to go with it as well so that's our big off-season mission we're starting to upgrade it make sure you're following us on facebook facebook live to see those shows roto street journal on facebook uh to make sure you can tune in and catch those otherwise you can find us at roto street wolf uh it's my twitter and snapchat i actually told you i had a story i don't know if i should save it for the next podcast about my snapchat handle uh but some interesting interaction going on there that could get me fired at some point maybe we can save that for next episode yeah let's open Uh, the next show with it now now you got me very interested you bet that better motivate you to get this ship off the ground oh, i know yeah the fire has been lit trust me uh, so <laughs> i love it so, i love so, a motivated wolf is the best wolf there is yeah. not that it wasn't already lit but certainly some logs and gasoline have been added lately because i might be out of a real job pretty soon um and yeah so follow me at those follow wait. the site roto st journal twitter uh and snapchat as well Make sure you're just connecting, asking all your questions, and tuning into those live broadcasts. We'd love to have you be part of them. All right. My name's Nat The Truth Jones. And I'm The Wolf. See you guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Stole the